This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Yo, while we were worshiping, I was just like, yo, the kingdom of God is just so amazing. Like God saved me 14 years ago from a messy life and I'm just so in love with Jesus, and there's just so much joy in his kingdom. Anyway, um, <clears throat> tonight I'm, I'm going to be talking about vision. I'm a planner. I love vision. And um, God actually started training me a few years ago on how to advance his kingdom, and he gave me a vision. And um, God trained me to know how to lead people out of the mess they're in and into the amazing kingdom of God. And so, maybe I should just open up here. He said to me last year, um, East London will be saved. East London will know Jesus. And he said to me, birth this vision. Now, this is a massive vision, and I know he's probably given most of you a similar vision, because it's his vision, <laughs> and that's amazing. But he said to me, Nastasha, birth this vision. And he also gave me a scripture. It says in Isaiah 54, verse 2, and I'm going to say it in the words that the Holy Spirit said it to me, is enlarge your territory and stretch out to the left and to the right and stretch out your boundary line. So it's talking about you stretching out the kingdom of God. And so um, so that's what I've been doing. As most of you know, the exciting journey I've been on for the past year and a half, I've been advancing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has been advancing through me forcefully, and I've been active in this because it says in um, Matthew 11 verse 12, it says, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men and women lay hold of it. So, so that's what we're doing. We're forcefully laying hold of the kingdom of God. And so just a recap of the journey I've been on for a year and a half is in, and how this advancing has looked like. Most of you know in the beginning of last year in church, is this mic still the same? Is the sound still the same? Anyway. Um, in, in, the, in the beginning of last year, we did a term on, on healing in church. We were just talking about healing, God heals. And all of a sudden, everyone at my workplace, I'm finding out that they are sick with various things. And I start laying my hands on them and praying for Jesus to heal them. And Jesus starts healing people of insomnia, of cancer, of um, leg injury, of migraines. Those are the things I could definitely see were healed. And so I continued and I, and I shared Jesus with over 30 people in my workplace and I was praying for people, prophesying over them and God was giving me words of knowledge and, and I could lead three people to Jesus and it was just amazing. Like there was just such a momentum all of a sudden and it didn't just stay in my workplace but it went out onto the streets, into the shops, into the restaurants, at the park run in our neighborhood. God was healing people and I could lead people to salvation and it was Amazing. And, um, yo, I remember we, we were praying one morning, Stefan and I, and we felt God said we must pray against a, a, a spirit of suicide. And so we prayed it, and the next evening we found out that one of our neighbors had tried to commit suicide that day and failed. 
And so our prayers had been effective. And so there was just this momentum. And through Stefan and my um, marriage, since we've been married, it's like we've been this unit, this partnership, where God has just stirred people to want more of Jesus because of our I don't know, because of our marriage. And, and, and it's amazing, like, what God's been doing through us as a partnership, as a unit. And it didn't, it wasn't just me, and it wasn't just through Stefan and I, but it was as if at the end of last year and the beginning of this year, it was like testimonies were spreading like wildfire. It was just like everyone, my friends on groups, WhatsApp groups, it was just like Everyone was testifying about God, what God was doing. Like I was hearing about in the school, like the um, children were getting filled with the Holy Spirit and lying on the floor in, in classrooms encountering God. I heard of someone praying outside a clinic for people for healing. They're waiting to go into the clinic for healing and they're getting healed. I'm hearing of people getting words of knowledge for people in the shops and people are being touched by the love of Jesus. People praying for people in their workplaces, starting prayer groups in their work. There was just such a momentum. It was such an exciting time. Like I would be driving to work in the mornings, listening to voice notes of what God is doing, like through my friends. And then at the end of the day, I'm driving back from work and I'm voice noting like what God's just done at work through my day. Like there just wasn't actually, I've never been in a time like that where there isn't enough time to share everything that God's been doing. And it didn't stop there. We went to Taiwan, Stefan and I, um, in March this year f- to visit friends. And, and on the, um, at the airport, in the bathroom, I could pray for someone. In the queue um, to the plane, I could pray for someone. On the flight, with every person sitting next to me, God gave me words of knowledge, and I could pray for people for healing. And I remember saying to Stefan while we're on the plane, I'm like, I've never... Um, um, felt so fearless before. Like, I feel like I can approach anyone on this plane and pray for them. Like, usually I would be like, mm, not that person, not that person, maybe this person. But for the first time, I have no fear to approach anyone. And God continued in, in, East, uh, in Taiwan to, we prayed for people on the streets, in the shops, whoever could speak English, we would tell them about Jesus and we could testify just about Jesus, pray for healing, people got healed. We prayed for a lady who'd been suffering with depression for 10 years, we could cast out the demon of depression and she was set free. And then we came back to South Africa on the, air, uh, on the airport, we could pray for a Muslim for his foot and he encountered Jesus. And then we come back and we're in East London, South Africa, and all of a sudden I'm depressed and I'm discouraged and I have two panic attacks. What happened? <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> I was depressed and I was discouraged and I had two panic attacks. All of a sudden, I was waking up in the morning, and as I've been doing for the past six years, the first thing I do in the morning is I go and I spend at least an hour with Jesus, and I felt when I get up, there's this weight coming against me, like literally like I need to push against it, and I'm walking to the room where I spend time with Jesus, and I feel heavy, and I'm struggling, and I go into the room, and I'm praising God, but I feel fake. And I'm switching the songs and I don't feel God. And I'm like trying to worship him, but everything is pushing against me. I feel so heavy. I feel so depressed and I feel so discouraged. And my connection with God just feels like there's just so much resistance right now. 
And um, Stefan and I, shortly after we came back from Taiwan and shortly after this depression and discouragement, we were in um, Cape Town for a few days. And we had a, a rental car, and I was the driver. And um, <laughs> and the one evening we're driving, and every thought that I had was anxious. It was like I would have a thought, and then it goes in a direction, and then there's no hope, and it just ends in a dead end. And then anxious, dead end. Ang- anxiety, dead end. Anxiety, dead end. There's just no hope. And all of a sudden, it felt like my head is literally being suffocated because there's no hope inside. It felt like everything is pulling together. And as it felt like my head was suffocating, my, my breath started going away. And I felt like I'm being suffocated here. And now I started panicking and I'm starting to cry and I'm screaming for Stefan to help me and to do something. And he screams to pull over. I think he's scared for his life <laughs> and, and um, so I pull over and we start praying and rebuking the devil and, and trying to calm me down and like what just happened and the next day I almost had another panic attack in front of my family and the next day we're driving again quite a long distance and Stefan by now is actually quite, I think, gutful for all of this because (laughs) I've been depressed, despondent, um, discouraged for weeks now, struggling to connect with him. He's done everything he knows to do. And we're driving and he's sleeping and I am having these anxious thoughts again and and I literally had to pray in tongues and sing every song I knew to sing for over an hour because whenever I stopped, I felt like I'm going to drive off the side of the road. So I was doing it for survival. So I just thought, what is happening? Um, and during this, this time, that weekend in Cape Town, Stefan and I were obviously having a lot of discussions. We are like, what is going on? And in these discussions, it came out that I, there's a lot of um, lies going on in my head, the, the things that I'm thinking over and over every day. And it, it sounds like God, but with a twist. And so all of the lies had to do with me advancing the kingdom of God, specifically in my workplace, because that's where I am most of the day, and that's where I've seen um, God's kingdom advance most of the time. And so this is what the lie sounded like in my head constantly over and over and over. The one lie was, um, Natasha, you've just come back from Taiwan and you've been at this work um, for over a year. You've um, led three people to salvation. You've shared Jesus with everyone here. You've prayed for people for healing. They've gotten healed. People have been touched by God's love. But look at them now. You've come back from Taiwan. They still look exactly the same. Nothing's changed. They're not closer to God. What effect have you actually had here? And another thing, another lie was, um, what kingdom do you want these people to get saved into? Because you don't have any joy. You're depressed. Do you want them to get into a kingdom that's just depressed? You don't have any joy. And another lie was, um, you just walk around this this workplace with an agenda for everyone to know Jesus and everyone knows that you just have an agenda and you don't really love people. People are sharing their lives with everyone else. They don't share their lives with you. You're excluded. You don't know how to love people. 
And uh, another lie was um, your thoughts are literally consumed with the kingdom of God coming every single day, all the time. And it's so much of your focus and your effort, but look at the result. What's the result? What's the effect? Is the kingdom of God even worth it? If the effort is so big, but the effect is so little, is the kingdom of God even worth it? And these lies were going on in my mind over and over and over all day long, every day for days and weeks and almost two months. And so um, I felt like I just want to go into survival mode, (laughs) never mind about birthing any vision or (laughs) advancing the kingdom of God. I just want to take a step back. And so can anyone else relate to this? Can anyone else relate to you've had such momentum in advancing the kingdom of God. You've um, started stepping out. You've, you've started leading people to Jesus, sharing Jesus with people. You started praying for people for healing, maybe experiencing spiritual breakthrough in your families. You've started prayer groups in your families or at your work. And there's just such a momentum. And all of a sudden, there's great discouragement, great resistance, great struggle in your connection with God. And all you feel like doing is just taking a step back. You don't feel like sharing Jesus with anyone, and you don't feel like advancing the kingdom of God right now. Can anyone relate to that? So um, we are talking about enlarging our territory, and we're talking about enlarging the kingdom of God and stretching out our, our boundary lines for God's kingdom. But if we do this, We're obviously going to have an enemy, and he's going to come with various wars on the way to try to stop you. And so we, unless we know how to fight these battles along the way and win them, we're forever going to remain in the same territory. We're forever going to remain here if we don't know how to fight the wars and win them. But we need to know how to fight and win so that we can take territory, so that we can keep enlarging the territory of God and we can keep advancing his kingdom. So tonight we're talking about fighting and winning. So my first question when I entered into this war was, why now? Why now when there's this momentum in advancing the kingdom of God, everything's going amazing, I love spending time with Jesus, it's exciting every day, people are getting saved, healed, why now am I experiencing this discouragement, this resistance, why now? It doesn't make sense. And it's actually a really stupid question, because, <laughs> which luckily I realized quite in the beginning of the war, because it says in 1 Peter 4 verse 12, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. And the heading of this um, piece is suffering for being a Christian. So it's actually... Um, quite a stupid question, why now? Because um, when we, like I said, advancing the kingdom of God, there will be resistance. So my bigger question was actually why for the first 13 years of my salvation, of my journey with God, have I never faced a battle like this before? And have I never had to know how to, to win a battle like this before? Because I've been saved for 13 years. Have I... The the question is then, I probably haven't been advancing the kingdom of God 
constantly in my life to such an extent that I would have an enemy that feels threatened by me that would actually come with a big resistance and a big war. So my bigger question was, why didn't it happen the first 13 years of my salvation? So the very reason why you're facing the trials and the suffering and the enemy coming against you and the resistance and the struggle in your connection with God is because you are advancing the kingdom of God. So in the momentum phase, in the year and a half that everything was going amazing, my times with God was also pumping. It was like every day when I spend time with Him, I want to shoot through the roof. I have so many testimonies to journal. There's not enough time to thank Him for everything that He's doing in and through me. I hear His voice daily. He's revealing of Himself to me. I feel like I'm seeing things of God that that I haven't seen before. It was such an amazing time in in my connecting with God. But in this this, um, season where the resistance came, there was, it felt like there's nothing. I don't feel connected. I don't feel like I'm hearing. I don't feel like I'm seeing. There's nothing to be excited about. It just felt like there's nothing. And so the first thing that God taught me is I need to fight for my connection with him. So it's not that we're not connected to him. It's just that the enemy is coming with resistance between us and him to try to get us to move away from God because as soon as we move away, then we're not connected and we'll definitely not win this war. So this time I realized is actually a great opportunity, even though it feels like it's horrible, it's a great opportunity for the, for the first time for me to fight for my connection with God, even though I feel nothing, to fight through that resistance and to say, God, you are worth the fight. You are worth the fight for me to push in, to, to, to um, have that connection. And so, like I said, I would go to the room where I'm spending time with God and I would put on music and I would praise him. And then after half an hour or so, I would feel nothing. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to move on to reading Bible. And then I read Bible, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, um, give me something. And then I read the Bible, and then nothing. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to be outward focused. I'm going to pray for people. So I start praying for people, and nothing. And then I go to work. And this, like I said, went on for days and weeks. And one day, God said to me, um, Nastasha, you need to press in until you enter in. And he gave me a famous verse, which I'm sure you know, in in Psalm 100 verse 4. It tells us how to enter in. It says, we enter his gates and his courts, and it's talking about that's obviously close to him, in his presence, we enter it in with praise and with thanksgiving. So he tells us what the password is to enter into his presence. It's praise and it's thanksgiving. And that's why we normally start with praise and thanksgiving. But I was doing this and I wasn't experiencing it. So I was moving on to the next thing. And he said, no, this is the key. This is the password. This is how you enter in. It is praise and thanksgiving. You need to press in until you enter in. Even if it takes two hours or a whole Saturday morning or two days, you need to press in until you enter in. And so I pressed in until I entered into his presence. I would worship him and I would stand there and I would declare who God is, who I know him to be. I would say, you are faithful. You are the uncreated God. You are victorious. And I would go on and I would praise him and I would thank him for previous things that he's done, the previous testimonies from the previous season. And I would go and I would continue until I experience him. 
So when, when we press in until we enter in, then he brings the shift from the heaviness and the depression, and then he brings us to joy and to lightness. We cannot go to the place of God and leave the same. We need to press in until we enter in. He's worth the fight. And this week again, so even though I've, I've won this war, and, and um, there's still been some battles. Um, so this week, while I was spending time with God one morning, I was feeling very um, hopeless about a few things that had happened the previous day. And so when I spent time with God and I praised Him, I really expected that He would give me hope. And I was praising and I was praising with this expectation for hope, and it felt like I'm just not getting it <laughs> at all. I still feel there. And God stopped me again, and he said, you are still focusing on your hopelessness all this time while you're praising me. You need to focus on me. You need to shift from your hopelessness and from your expectation when you're praising me, and you need to fix your eyes on me. And so when he tells us something, he usually enables us to do it. And so I looked away from what I was expecting from him and the hopelessness, and I just looked at him, and in literally a second, I felt hope again. And, and so, yeah, we need to press in until we enter in. So like I said, in the season, all I wanted to do is I wanted to take um, a step back. I didn't want to, I didn't feel like advancing the kingdom of God. But God is so faithful. He gave me a scripture that literally carried me through the entire war of two months. And this scripture is amazing. It's, it's in Hebrews 10, verse 35 to 36. It says, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Then in verse 38 to 39, it says, But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are of those who believe and are saved. And so God was saying to me, in this season, you will not shrink back. You will not take a step back. And you will not lose your confidence. And so he said to me, you will continue to do what you have been doing. You will continue to spend time with me every day, even though you don't feel like it. Even though everything, your emotions and you're depressed and discouraged, you will keep spending time with me. And you will keep telling everyone about Jesus, and you will keep praying for people for healing, and you will keep leading people to salvation, even though nothing in you feels like doing it. Because why? Because we are not of those who take a step back. We don't shrink back, and we don't lose our confidence, but we enter in, and we, um, we do it by faith. We don't let our emotions dictate to us the kingdom of God coming through us. And so by faith, we step out and expect the Holy Spirit to change lives, to set people free, to heal people, and to save people. But we will not shrink back because that's what the enemy wants us to do. He doesn't just want us not to get through this one boundary line. He wants us to take a step back. But we are not of those who shrink back. We keep our confidence. And um, then the exciting scene, the battle scene, <laughs> where we fight and we win. So up until this point, we've stood our ground. We fought for our connection with God, and we have not stepped back. But we haven't broken through the, we haven't won the war. We haven't gone to the next boundary line. So we need to learn to fight and win. So how do we do this? I didn't have a clue, but... <laughs> 
But six weeks into this war, one um, morning, Stefan and I were arguing before work, and <laughs> and <laughs> this season was difficult. We argued a lot. But that morning, it was hectic, and it went on for half an hour, and he was late for work, and I still don't know what we argued about. And... Um, but by the end of it, I just felt like nothing. Like, I don't feel connected to God. I feel discouraged and depressed every day. Now I don't feel connected to Stefan. How am I even going to get through this day? And the next morning, the same exact thing happened. Half an hour of arguing. He left. I locked the door. And I feel like nothing. And um, when I closed that door, I was so angry. I was fuming. Not at Stefan, but at the enemy. I was so angry with him. And I turned around and I said, today, I declare war. And I was like, today I'm fighting and I'm winning and I don't care what it looks like and I don't care how long it takes. And I went to jog. And then <laughs> I came back and I went to my room and I started devising a battle plan. <laughs> I, I went to Ephesians 6 the armor of God, the, the famous um, spiritual warfare passage. I've been able to quote this whole passage for a few years, but do you think I know how to use it when I need it? I didn't have a clue how to use it. <laughs> and I, I've always wondered how it helps to say, I put on the helmet of salvation, I put on the belt of truth, and then win a war. I don't know how that wins any war, but, <laughs> but I was like, I'm finding out today. And... Um, so I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but I learned some stuff, and I tried some stuff, and it worked. Um, but if you want to read up on all the, the weapon um, pieces and the armor, then a really good book is it's, um, Spirit Wars by Chris Valentin, which Sonica also mentioned a few weeks ago. But So I'm just going to talk about the one weapon, which I hope you all know which one it is, the offensive weapon. All of the other weapons are defensive, but there's one offensive weapon that takes the enemy out. Do you know what that is? It's the sword, and it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which I've always known because I can quote this thing, but I don't know what it means. And I always thought the Word of God means the Bible. It means Scripture. So when we say Scripture, then we win our battle. It's not, that's not what it means. <laughs> it's actually the word here for Word of God in Greek. I love Greek lately. Um, is it's not logos of God. Logos means the written word of God, means the Bible. That's not what it says there. It says rhema. Rhema means God-breathed. So it's the God-breathed of God. So what Paul is saying here is that when we listen to the Holy Spirit, the God-breathed of God, and we prophetically proclaim it, that is our offensive weapon that wins the battle. So it's actually all the power in our battle is vested in the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit can, can breathe on various things. He can breathe onto truths and reveal truths to you when the enemy is coming with lies. And when you proclaim those God-breathed truths, then you win. Or you can proclaim prophecies that have been declared and spoken over your life that God has breathed through people into your life and you can proclaim them and that's your offensive weapon and wins the war. Or what he also did is he can breathe on the local scripture, Bible, word of God in this battle season and then you can proclaim what is revealed to you, what is breathed on in scripture and then you win the war. So that's how we fight and we win. So I'm just going to tell you quickly how 
the battle scene looked for me. I'm going to condense it because it took three hours. But, <laughs> but and, and, and I want you to think of the war that you are in because this is very specific to me and it's not necessarily going to help you. But think about the war that you're in, specific lies that the enemy's been telling you and think about the specific truths that God's been breathing on, prophecies that God's spoken, words that God's given through scripture. So think about that when I share with you. So I'm in the room, I've devised my battle plan, and I stand up, and I take, (laughs) I'm quite dramatic sometimes, but I look out of the window into the field, and I'm standing like this, and I'm pumping my fist, (laughs) and I'm like, I'm going to take you out today, (laughs) and I just start proclaiming truths and prophecies. So I said, I am a healing evangelist, and I'm going to see many people saved through my life. I'm going to see many people healed through my life. I'm going to raise up thousands of laborers to bring in the harvest. And my name, it means innocent and childlike, and I'm pure at heart, and I am a good wife. And and God has been letting his kingdom come so much through me at work. I'm such a fragrance of Jesus. So many people have been touched by the love of Jesus. People have been saved. They have been healed. And they want more of Jesus because of my life. And waiters have been saved. And cashiers have been saved. And our neighbors have experienced healing and more of Jesus. And my and Stefan's marriage is such a powerful unit that you want to bring this unity. And, and we're letting the kingdom of God come through our lives. Are you blind? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and when I, I was so convinced that at one point I just screamed, are you blind? And when I screamed that, it was like, um, for the first time I saw the enemy, and this is how I saw him, he was this tiny green blob, like flubber, and, and like vomit green, and... <laughs> And and as I screamed, are you blind? I just saw this blob and it and it faded and it fell like sand in a second and it was gone. And while it was fading and disappearing, I heard the enemy say in a defeated voice, Oh, she's seeing through me and he was gone. And um so what I realized is because I had been coming against the enemy with these truths before. I, I knew this. I wasn't dumb. Like, I knew these lies, and I need to come against them with truth, and I had done that. But this was the first time I was convinced of the truth myself. So we need to declare the truth until we are convinced. It doesn't help we just dis- recite the truth to the enemy, but don't believe it ourselves. You need to be convinced of the truth. So we need to declare it until we are convinced, because when we are convinced of the truth, his lies can come, but they will just fall. They won't be able to stand. So that is how we fight and win with the Holy Spirit. And guess what I realized after this battle was won is whenever it was as if every time I'm praying for people, I need to come against the spirit of depression and against discouragement and a spirit of tormenting. And every time I was praying to um, tell this demon to go, I felt like I have a greater authority because I felt like I've looked depression and discouragement head on in the face for the past six weeks. And now, and I fought you, I've won you and I have a greater authority over you. And so now when I prayed it, it just goes. And so I realized 
what happened is I've broke through, I've fought and I've won through this war and this boundary line, and God's given me greater authority in that sense, and, and the kingdom of God has been enlarged, and that's the whole point. So, um, so God wants to do the same for you. He wants all of us to know how to fight and to win the battles along the way so that we can keep enlarging the place of God's territory. And we are not of those who shrink back, but we continue to fight and win. So if you um, will stand, um, there's, a, there's a few um, people that we felt to pray for tonight. And the first is that maybe... Um, I've been speaking about this kingdom vision and advancing the kingdom of God. And you're like, I really want this. I want to be focused on, on God's kingdom, on, on, on things that have eternal value every day. I don't just want to be focused on life and circumstances every day. I also want God to give his kingdom vision to me, that it's what compels me and drives me and stirs me and, and is my passion every day. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.